0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 36 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of CellSide Technology. As always, I'm joined
1: by my co-host in studio, the U.S. editor, Anthony Malikian. Just flew in last night from Chicago and uh, I'm pretty tired right now, but uh, happy to be on the podcast as always. That's the dedication. That's the water's difference right there. (laughs) When you you can cry and moan about having to do a podcast at 11 in the afternoon after flying in late, it's like, that's not that hard of a hardship. We do it for you guys though.
0: We do it for the listeners. We do it for you. We we put it all on the table just for you guys. So I hope you appreciate it. Um, But we're here. We're excited. We know we're a day late, but we want to talk about Chicago. But before you talk about Chicago... Some big news. It's actually good we waited a day because some big news happened yesterday. Uh, Thomson Reuters acquired Ready Holdings, a very known, very well-established EMS provider to the buy side. Uh, I had the chance to speak to Michael Chin, who's the global head of equities at Thomson Reuters, and Rishi Nagalia, who's the CEO of Ready. Uh, We talked about the deal, so I'm going to give a quick recap. Yeah, why
1: you kind of give our readers a little bit of what their impressions were and maybe what maybe some of your takeaways were
0: right so quickly just basically the move is for thompson for tr it's for them to kind of expand on their buy side offering i spoke to uh so michael has been with thompson reuters uh for two and a half years and basically the entire time he's there his focus has really been on expanding that buy side and over the past year he said the focus has really been at looking kind of other assets in the market and one of those assets that he said stood out very quickly was ready and for good reason i mean anyone that's in the space knows that ready has a very strong reputation i don't think i'm talking out of class here you know I'm. I, Everyone pretty much has heard already and knows kind of the, the class they, that they won have. our
1: waters rankings uh, in 2015, which is voted on by end users. You know, um, so it, it goes to show that while they're not the most used uh, in the industry in the space, they are respected amongst its users at least. Certainly, and then so that was kind of so. So Michael said that
0: you know Thompson kind of looked around, but very quickly ready kind of rose to the top ready plus is the is the ems uh from the ready perspective rishi said that you know this is kind of a natural progression for that firm you know so founded in 1992 uh by market maker uh, spear Leeds and kellogg then 2001 acquired by goldman Sachs, and then spun out uh in uh in to a kind of a industry-backed <clears throat> mostly bank consortium, but also some other financial firms, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Barclays, BNP Paribas, uh, Citadel, and Goldman Sachs, obviously, as well. <clears throat> and then, you know, since that was in 2013, and then since then, kind of these consolidation, these acquisitions, you know, notably uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch's InstaQuote platform. So, Ferushi was kind of a, a natural progression of kind of going from a broker-owned platform to a consortium platform to now being completely independent and well, under this big giant and
1: I remember uh, you wrote an article um, at so after so today in August of 2015 they had you know Rishi took over as CEO uh, Mark Etherington uh, came in as CTO and you spoke with them about what the plans were and the lead of your story was not quite a startup anymore yet far from a massive vendor ready global technology sits somewhere in the middle and to that point you really can't sit somewhere in the middle. You either make that move of acquisition, you grow bigger, or you get acquired and move into something else. So, um, you know, obviously there were talks about uh, Ready looking to sell itself in February of this year, and then TR uh, was announced as kind of being the, the leader um, in, a, I know that. June. Uh, Bloomberg, yeah, June, right? So it, this was, it was, they, obviously those executive moves piled on uh, with the fact that they were in this kind of middle space of, okay, where are we sitting right now? It made sense, I guess, for that move, yeah. for that move to happen. That's a that. great point you made off the back of my great point that I made like a year ago. So I was just giving <laughs> you a credit dance. So last time I ever do. It.
0: No, no, I appreciate it. I'm, I, <laughs> that made me sound like a dick. So I, am sorry. <laughs> uh, and then kind of we got into the tech side of things around the integration and uh you know the biggest point that was made is that they're both open platforms uh specifically thompson has experience with apis with essentially it's i think it's called their their studio they they call it their um app studio but it's it's an app store basically and they have a lot of experience with third-party vendors um kind of coming in and integrating their apps and and their their capabilities and whatnot so that was uh, michael's kind of uh vouching for why TR is going to be able to integrate ready so quickly. And then on Rishi, Rishi said that, you know, um, I kind of pushed him a little bit on where kind of this launch is going to happen. He said it's going to be an iterative approach where it's going to start with the low hanging fruit and then kind of build up. That word was iterative. (laughs) Sorry, I have a bit of a a marble mouth, but uh, yeah, so he's going to start low hanging fruit. They didn't want to commit to anything. They didn't want to commit to a timeline. I don't blame them because you commit to a timeline, guess what, I'm gonna come back when that timeline comes up and say, hey, is that integration taking place? And if it hasn't, then you can kind of nail them. So I understand where they're coming from, but he did say that it was gonna be a lot of pre and post-trade tools that were gonna be initial focus. He mentioned analytics, TCA, uh, market data. And uh, and yeah, and then, you know, I mean, kind of in closing, uh, And I mean, you know, take this for what it is, but he did say, you know, I spoke to them within an hour of when the deal had gone down and Rishi said he already had a ton of emails kind of basically saying like, this is great. You know, one of them, he said, why didn't this happen sooner? Um, That's one of of, of the clients pointed out. So uh, certainly a very interesting deal. I think exactly. It comes exactly to what the point you made, which is that this was just the practical move for them. You know, it's. It's kind of moving into under a bigger giant. Um, you have that help of that kind of that name brand recognition from both sides, really, but now a bigger name. Um, so I think this is just kind of the natural consolidation of the space, which Rishi mentioned, with which Michael mentioned, and it's a big win for TR because they get an established, well-known, uh, you know, a client to the buy side. Anthony, what are your
1: thoughts? Well, I guess with anything, when it's going to be Thomson Reuters, obviously, the The competition here is Bloomberg, right? Of course. So, of course. The, you have Bloomberg's EMSX uh, platform in the MS space, and there are other big players. Uh, you have ITG, Net, um, You know who else? Uh, Charles Rivers out there. Fidesa, uh, FlexTrade. I know. Uh, you know, has some traction there. Um, so basically, Ready like it's, it was found itself in the middle. TR wasn't really competing on the buy side. Uh, with uh, Bloomberg's uh, EMSX. Quite frankly, uh, they just were far behind. Bloomberg kind of dominates space. They have over 6,000 uh, buy-side and sell-side firms. And um, just kind of doing, so I flew in last night, and so I just did some quick research this morning. But Greenwich Associates has always kind of been following the OEMS space, um, and they put out a lot of research reports and stuff like that. And, you know, over 52% were using, uh, in the most recent report I've seen, if there's a newer one I'm missing, I apologize, but they had over about 50% market share, even though firms will use multiple EMSs in their shops. Uh, there are many firms that don't, aren't just dedicated to one, um, hence why there is kind of this push toward OEMS, um, even if the uptake has been slower to take hold than what we would have expected. Um, Bloomberg's always going to have this advantage because... You know, you the the on the buy side the Bloomberg terminal is so ubiquitous, and because you're paying such a lofty cost there, um, Bloomberg is able to offset some of the um, some of the uh, broker fees uh, for uh, receiving orders. So, this is a smart move for Thompson Reuters. Reddy's very well respected. Uh, its pedigree is impressive with Goldman backing uh, for years. Um, This is, you know, I've never heard any one of my sources have anything really bad to say about Ready. Um, Feel free if you're out there and listening to this and you think I'm wrong, we're always interested to hear. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Um, but I've always like dealing with them, they've always done some interesting, they've been an inventive creative firm. So for TR wanting to get into space, Ready makes a lot of sense, Um, it will make sense for them to have another you know, sort of acquisition, you know, to add in maybe a specific piece that Ready doesn't cover, you know, try and, you know, find another acquisition over the next six months to to a year, um, It could still an uphill battle, Bloomberg still dominates, but this will be interesting to see how they take on with an ITG, with an incident, um, you know, how does this kind of shake up that land space? And then the other thing I think for us that will be interested, interesting to hear is, is anybody so ready is well respected amongst its its users are any of them worried i mean obviously rishi's going to say yeah why didn't this happen sure, earlier that's yeah. just naturally what of he's course. not going to be like ah oh, god we were just put into a corner my god this was terrible move you know that's not going to happen mm-hmm. so i wonder if there's any sort of concerns cuz with these integrations when you have it, We've been seeing consolidation throughout the industry in all parts of the industry. Some huge, huge um, mergers over the past 18 months. Um, you know, the biggest question, biggest concern is when you have like a company like Ready they get acquired by a behemoth, does that intellectual talent that you have, that's always going to be the case, does the intellectual talent that liked working for a smaller targeted company, do they kind of just get left by the wayside or are they allowed to continue to be, you know, autonomous while just adding in the good things from TR that TR can provide. I think that'll be the question going forward. Yeah, and to note,
0: this is a 100% acquisition, so it will be a wholly owned sub of TR and they will consolidate offices. Rishi did mention that. So, you know, I think it's a great point. It really comes back to you know we did a big story on it, but the Advent SSNC deal. You know the big concern there from a lot of the folks we spoke to was is the core of that tech team around that Advent around the Geneva platform. Are they going to jump ship now that they're part of this kind of behemoth? Yeah. Um, you know. A few years in it seems like they're still doing very well because they keep winning our awards we keep hearing good things about it so it seems like the level of product has has maintained but it's something to certainly
1: keep your eye on and like you said it It reminds me of when goose island was bought by imbev and everybody started freaking out because they were worried that you know goose island the ipa the 312 the honkers like it was all and then the bourbon county staff like you were really worried that the quality was going to fall off Couple of years later, all that concern hasn't played out. It just means that their dis- distribution channels have opened up some more. It's, it seems like it's been a good acquisition. Exactly I, like
0: that. I like Heineken. That's my response. To, <laughs> that's my response <laughs> to that tirade of beers I know nothing about. Uh, you know, and and you know, Rishi did almost kind of touch on. It. He did say, as much as it's fun to be a 100-person shop, there are some privileges that come along with a large family um, from a product suite standpoint. So. You know, he does even mention it there that there is kind of that you're losing, like you said, that kind of the characteristic of being part of a small shop. One other thing I did want to mention is um, that this didn't get in the story because, you know, there wasn't too much substance behind it. But Rishi did mention that, you know, there was, he said, quote, unquote, a lot of flirting that happens in the industry. He didn't name any names of who else was interested in acquiring them, but there certainly were other firms that wanted to make a move on ready. So that's, you know, something to think about as well. But uh, I think, you know, like with all these deals. It's just going to be a waiting game now. You just have to wait and see how the industry responds,
1: how the clients respond. And does this mean that some other acquisitions, you know, does, you know, uh, what are we looking at? Again, does a a flex trade, uh, does a trading screen, uh, instant ITG. Are there other moves? Because these things have domino effects, right? Of
0: course. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and and Michael did say that this is part of a long term strategic view. So I, I don't think this is the last acquisition we're going to see from TR. I don't know if they're going to make any of those acquisitions, but but it'll be interesting to see now how this base consolidates, because as you kind of pick off more and more, and there's fewer out there, then they kind of realize this, the the value and just kind of going under one of these big umbrellas. Uh, you mentioned Goose Island. So once, once again, you've nailed the transition. Well, you didn't even let me get there yet. For the people that don't know, Goose Island. <laughs> I could Island, see it coming, man. You could see it from a mile away. Goose Island is based in Chicago. You just were in Chicago for our great. Uh, Chicago trading technology event give us the highlights I know you're gonna be writing a ton about it over the next week or so but hit us with some highlights from the event
1: highlight was clearly the chairman the guy that was overseeing the whole uh, event Anthony Malikian superstar <laughs> um, it was good uh, The the thing I liked about this was it was a single stream um, it's not as big as our New York, London events that we have, like, uh, the buy side trading, uh, technology, North American summit, which is going to happen on October 13th. Ooh, what oh, what a plug. What a plug. It's so good. Um, that's like probably going to be three times the size sure. of the event. You know, You're going to have intimate, multiple streams. More intimate feel. This is the, sh- and, but that is the Chicago community. Like the one thing I always like is everybody knows everybody over there, you know, everybody just you know it's just dealt with you know people have crossed the street so much uh around there um so i think that uh the one thing i liked about it was you know everything kind of connected like machine learning was a thread that you know weaved its way through so many different panels and In addition to having one specific panel on machine learning, um, I'll be writing up a couple articles uh, based off that Um, blockchain was talked about a lot Um, bit of skepticism there. But you know, you'd also expect, you know, there were a lot of prop trading shops, as you'd expect in um, Chicago. So they're obviously not going to be as on board, Sure, they're not going to care as much about it. Sure. Um, The Blair Hole gave a great uh, keynote um, talking about market timing and uh, machine learning. Um, similar to what he talked about last year, but he kind of uh, added on as the strategy has grown. Um, and then we had really, really good uh, regulatory panel at the end, uh, Patel Walker, uh, Chief Counsel for the CFTC, uh, and then John McPartland, um, uh, uh, Chicago, kind of legendary with the, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. They kind of were able to sit down and lay out point by point things like Reg A.T. and what's going to kind of... Happen from here. Um, with that, um, I'll be writing a couple articles based off of those, um, uh, panels, uh, over the course of the next week. Um, you know, I was just busy with meetings out there while I was out there. Um, sure. but, um, I, I would say my favorite thing about Chicago was, uh, I went to trading technologies, uh, offices there. On what I think is the west side, what you call the west side of the loop? I don't know. The west uh, loop. The west it's loop. called the west loop. I have uh, a friend that lives out there. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, they have like you walk in, it's got a very like if you go if you ever been to uh, Google's New York uh, offices, uh, it's got a very similar feel to that. But they have this awesome uh, what they call the tech uh, the tech tap or something like that. I can't remember the exact name of it, but. Um, so it has six beers on tap i think it was six or eight and then a couple of wines if you wanted but some of the best assortments of beer that you will find anywhere and they were saying that it's the technology guys that have full control over they don't like like that's like their baby and the <laughs> tech guys are all like we decide what goes on tap they're like people ask for like miller miller Lite, stuff like that and they're like just don't just don't. The, the one concession they made was Guinness. I think everybody can concede that. You know, Guinness see, I don't is, feel like that's not even a concession. It's not a concession, yeah. exactly. But that's the one mainstream. Everything else is just really, really well done. It really um, sounds like you're working hard out there. Really, anyways, really I was talking yeah, with the CTO, Drew e- Shields, speaking oh, of yeah. name dropping. Uh, we had good conversation and, uh, but yeah. that yeah, Really th- working hard out that there. That was huh? good. Yeah, it was, it's tough, you know, it's a tough <laughs> life. I had uh, th- David Downey, is the CEO of uh, One Chicago. Uh, that guy's just like a legend there. Like we literally were walking down the street and at least 10 people must have came up and been like, hey, David, how's it going? Like That guy knows everybody out there. Um, but what's most impressive about him, if ever you get a chance to talk with him, obviously uh, he'll talk about single stock futures and stuff like that. But his knowledge of Chicago architecture, art, landmarks, it was like, getting my own personal tour guide. That was pretty cool too. Um, but yeah, so the event went well. Uh, the one thing I did notice is that and we I, we always say this, but like with the Chicago event, at about three three thirty, people just filter out. They're like, "All right, you know, New York, London, everybody stays for the drinks." So, you know, you got to kick especially people in out. London. <laughs> especially London, <laughs> especially yeah, in London, you got to literally probably call the cops to get people to disperse. <laughs> um, so that was the one thing. That I was like, "Why is that?" It's like hey, it's got the prop traders, man. Once once the market closes, they're just gonna go home. You yeah. know? <laughs> and the, and it's just the the traffic, you know, is gonna be a pain. So. Um, so yeah, that was my, I guess, uh, takeaway from Chicago. A lot of articles will be coming out though. Um, sorry not to have as much b- bigger details as far as specifics, but, uh, hopefully we'll be checking you, the listener will be checking into some of the things that we put up over the next week.
0: Yeah. Well, it's crazy. A lot of those HFT firms, like they, they don't hold anything. So it's like, we're out. We did our job. We're Good out. Job. <laughs> we're done. <Good> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we're done. See ya. Uh, I actually did some traveling as my own, of my own. Nothing is nearly as exciting as yours. Uh, I was in Boston for two days. Boston, um, Boston, doing taking a couple meetings and and, and whatnot. Um, so I guess you know we can kind of transition here a little bit to a non fintech to- topic. Um, travel just in general, because I had an interesting situation. So. Uh, long story short, we had I had meetings Tuesday outside of Boston and meetings inside of Boston on Wednesday. And uh, I haven't even told you this story. So this is exciting. This is like a learning adventure. So on Wednesday, we were supposed to have a meeting, we had a meeting um, in the uh, late afternoon, late late morning, and then a lunch meeting, and then we were supposed to have a meeting in the afternoon, and then fly out. Uh, Well, lo and behold, the meeting in the afternoon gets canceled. So we're done with lunch. And my flight's not until 6 o'clock at night. So I, we decided, let's go to the airport and see if we can move our flight. So I was flying American. And anyone that's flown American to Boston knows there's hourly shuttles. So get there and uh, say, can I change my flight? Very nice woman. She goes, absolutely, we can change it. But it's going to cost you $75.
1: Yeah, and that always sets me
0: off. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's an interesting dilemma because you look at it. So I was there at about 2.15. My flight leaves at 6, right? They could have got me on a flight on. They could have got me on a flight at 3 $75. So it's really like, how much is your time worth? I and sk- how much
1: are you going to spend at the bar waiting for that flight?
0: Right. So I've played this game a couple times. And if you've listened before, the same thing happened to me in Toronto, where I had just a morning meeting. I had no afternoon meetings. My flight wasn't until night. And lo and behold the people in canada very nice let me flew let me change my flight for free i think was with delta though not with american and ended up flying first class <laughs> um long kind of i've explained that story before listen to an old uh, an old episode you listen but it's kind of i, I get well what, what would you have done in that situation
1: um for me i'm not going to give 70 I, i'm going to give my money to the bartender and go and just relax i actually i'm i'm a weirdo i actually get to the airport very early all the time. I actually like to saddle up at the bar, do some work at the bar, you know, and just relax. Um, I hate to feel rushed getting onto a plane. I dig that, I dig that, Um, I into that. But also, I feel that you just made a horrible mistake overall by flying. Amtrak Excel Express to Boston is the best thing in the whole world. I love that trip, get my goose island, sit down in business class, just, it's, I I I love it.
0: I tend to agree with you, it wasn't my choice, uh, whether to fly or not apparently it was cheaper to fly this time than take the train and also we had a rental car which was easier to pick up at the airport so there were kind of a lot of moving pieces where flying just seemed to be easier but um, I did end up paying the75 a little frustrated you know it was one of those things where if it was like a hundred you know, I, and I know there's like a lot of these finance guys that are sitting there that make way more money than me. That are like seventy-five dollars is a drop in the bucket. But when you're a poor journalist, yeah. seventy-five dollars uh, could be the difference from you eating that weekend or not. Not necessarily, but but it's you know it's nothing. Hey,
1: <laughs> yeah, let's not make it seem like uh, right, you're not that poor. Yeah,
0: <laughs> what is Water Incisive is doing all right with the fair, but no, it, you know it's it's kind of it's just like a frustration thing of like, especially when I had gone through it in Toronto a couple months before. And they did it without. They were like, "Absolutely, we'll put you on standby, and then if you miss that flight, then we'll drop you down, and we'll get you out of here before you need to." And these folks were like, "Oh yeah, we can move you, but it'll be
1: seventy-five dollars." It was yep. kind of just a, a kick in the gut. I know you had some flight issues as well. Uh, leaving that well, so it was just weather. I you know I was flying Delta, and Delta out of Laguardia. If you're flying to Washington or Chicago, they have this so they're I guess Terminal A or one or whatever the hell it is. I've never used it for, but just drove right up, parked in front. It's just like it's only for those express, you know, just, you know, those here were just trans, uh, whatever you call it, uh, commuter flights to Washington, Chicago. And I just walked up, was the only person at the security line, walked right in. It's a small little room. It was great. Um, But, of course, because of the weather, you know, the flight just kept on getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, back, which meant that I missed. I had tickets to the Chicago Cubs Cincinnati game on Monday. Yeah. Didn't get to my hotel till eight o'clock and was like, ah, eh, this isn't worth it. So um, so that was a bummer, but I was very impressed. Delta, I thought, did a very good job uh, with, uh, with with my flying experience, so I, I can't really dig into them here.
0: Well, let, let me just talk, real, you know, because we do both travel this week, a little flying etiquette for those of you, we have a lot of travelers. A, more first point, don't congregate around the line before your group's called. Like. Who cares? Everybody has their, their promise I've never seat. understood.
1: That's why I hate Southwest because there is, they, they, they encourage that. Sure, that's that. a little bit different. But I've never understood that. You're going to get on and it's like, oh, well, i got to get my bag. And then the, the I, I will watch my language here, but the people that go and put their bag, when you're in the back of the plane and, and you, you go up front. Put up front, we should just throw those people off the plane, I think. Those are, put
0: your bag Above where your seat is. Because if everybody follows that rule, then We're everybody fine. will be fine. We're fine. But you have the people that you're right. As they're walking down, they'll stop 15 rows up and put their seat above someone's seat and then walk back. And then it screws up that person and they have to and then it kind of is a domino effect. Yeah. that was gonna be my other point, that one. Other thing, when the plane lands, if you're in row twenty, don't stand up. Sit in your seat. Don't yeah. stand up. There's no rush to stand in the aisle and stand there. It bothers me so much. They have these people that immediately have
1: to get their bag out when it's going to be and 20 minutes. And if you're on the road, road, then you have this person's crotch just right exactly, in your face. Right next to like you. it's like bro, right next to you. Bro, we, it, we go, see, but you're not going to get to jump the queue just because you're standing up. We're going to go row by row. Civility. What is happening to our culture? civility is being lost and we need to take it back and i think that we start hurting people that put their bags up front or that stand up they stand up you hit them right in the crotch boom you do that enough times people will stop standing up too early
0: that's a great i love that idea i love that idea i saw i fully endorse that idea other idea and it's gonna be controversial don't put your seat back seat stays up full right the entire flight okay depends on on the flight
1: right well, what if you're flying, if it's a long flight? I, I agree. Chicago, Boston, Washington, you know, yeah, you, there's no reason. Just, you know, if you want to put it back a hair just so you're not well, perfectly vertical, okay. I'm but. cool dropping it a little bit. I'm cool going a little bit. Never go full back. Yeah. Unless, you, if there's no one behind
0: you, then obviously it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Whatever you want. But never go full back. And I know this is controversial because they're going to say, well, you should put your seat back. And then it's, I understand it's a domino, but I am... Uh, you know, socially, I feel bad putting my seat back. I don't know why because uh, so so then I'm stuck sitting there. The example, when I was flying from denver from Denver back home, two elderly couple in front of them, two seconds into the flight, both crank it all the way back. You know, I'm a bigger guy, I'm flying economy, so it's right up on my knee. I was trying to do some work and that's shout, thing, out to, you can't, shout out to my boss. Yeah. can't do anything, yeah because I'm kind of have my like laptop like turned up. And then what was even worse was, they brought it up, and then they drop it back down, Oh, you and can't then they that. brought it up. No, no, so you, every 20 you make minutes, they're going I mean, that's, up, yeah. up and back and up and back. So I'm anti-drop your seat. I know that they actually sell a thing that you can put on seats that don't allow them to recline, and people have gotten in fights over, which I think is hilarious. But I am anti-drop the
1: seat back. I'm, I'm with you on that. I completely agree. Again, civility. Consider your common man. If we all just start considering the concerns of our common man... The society will be fine and we won't have Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump, uh, <laughs> you know, debating for the White House.
0: One more funny story before we kind of switch the topic to our last topic. Uh, flying from, so paid $75, got on this flight, flying from Boston back to New York. And um, and we sit down in the plane, uh, maybe a little bit cold. I don't know. I'm always, I always run hot. I'm big and I'm hairy, so I'm always hot. But uh, I hear, a girl, a couple seats up from me woman a couple of steps up from me uh, asked the flight attendant, oh, uh, can, I, can I get a blanket? And the flight attendant goes, I'm sorry, blankets are only available for first-class customers. Oh! And <laughs> she said something to the effect of, oh, so because I'm poor, because we're the poor people in economy, we're not allowed afforded blankets. And, you know, he... And it's a I, commuter flight, it, too. The first class isn't real first class. W- right. Well, okay, so... so I, so she got pretty nasty, and she pulled the old, can I please speak to another flight attendant? And then the head boss flight attendant came down, and she was not budging a second. She was just like, we only have 11 blankets. Those are for the 11 people in first class. I'm sorry. And she kind of just walked away. Now, it's a 25-minute it's flight. It's a, all intents and purposes, you're in the air for 30, I think it's 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you really need a blanket for 37 minutes you know, no. it, it's the, you know, it's one thing if, if we were flying to Dubai and she was like, I really need a blanket. It's a 30, suck it up for 37 minutes. Like, and those blankets are nasty too. Why would you even want them?
1: I would agree that the blankets are nasty, but still, again, you know, treat our fellow, you know, if, if you have a spare blanket, you know, just be like, come on, man. No, no, no. It's no, because
0: I, I, I feel the same way about going, like, I won't go to the bathroom in the front by first class. I only go to the bathroom in the back because... Listen, those people paid for first class tickets. They don't want economy riffraff coming up into their bathroom. But I see these people that get up and just walk right up to. I'd be pissed if I paid that much money or my company paid that much Literally. money for a, yeah, for a first class ticket, you know? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. You know, what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get one of these finance guys to be like, "Yeah, Dan, that's right." And then Venmo me like seventy-five bucks. Like, hey, man, this is this shows that we care about the poor people. Yeah, there you go. But you can put that. You can <laughs> link to your Venmo. Yeah, I'll account. link to my yeah. Venmo account if anyone's interested yeah. in, in helping support out the one club. of those. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So last thing, real quick. Chicago is a city known for its food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love food. Did you get any good meals? Any? Give us a story of a good dinner, maybe, or a lunch that you
1: had while you were there. Well, Chicago, like first of all, their pizza, their deep dish pizza is just stupid. Like, just, (laughs) just stop. Coming out hot. Coming out hot. Stop with the deep dish pizza. It's not real pizza. I don't want to hear about your deep dish pizza. Yada yada yada. So move past that. Chicago is a great town for restaurants. Um, I think that uh, what was it? I'm trying to think. I, I did go to a great place actually for their steaks usually their steak houses are usually what i go to but this time my sister recommended uh, what was it was called like fresh or something like that it was a sushi place oh. um and it was out of this world um nothing like getting sushi in a place that's directly in the middle of the country <laughs> listen they do they did a good job man i, I was that 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 was a really good service there. Um, so yeah, for me that was the best. Not nearly as good as like when I went. The, the best I've ever, the best eating I've ever had in my life was I went to uh, Tokyo, um, and uh, for work and went to a just numerous place there in Osaka. Is like you cannot get like I I was craving sushi and then get back and then even in New York, which had some great places, right. The truly great place you're overpaying for, mm-hmm. and whereas that over in Tokyo, you could pretty much go anywhere and like you're gonna get some really, really good eats. You have so. the hunger, you have the taste. Once yeah, you get but, the taste, you can't get it out of your mouth. Well, that's the thing is though. I couldn't eat the stuff over here, you know, it was just uh, you know, it wasn't good anymore, but um, yeah, Chicago's good steak place. I mean, you, you, it's hard to find a bad steak place out there, in my opinion. Do you go um, to Dick's? No. <laughs> No, I don't do that. You did uh, make it there? No. Nah.
0: Or Michael, does Michael Jordan have a steakhouse in Chicago? He's got it, right?
1: I'm sure. I mean, he has one in New York City. He's got to have one yeah, in... Yeah, uh... true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had steak tips for the... I think it was the second time in my life, which apparently are, are a specialty of, uh, of Boston's. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tip Tap Room, which was great, which is a suggestion <laughs> by uh, one of my friends. Anthony is dying laughing because uh i don't know do you all right
1: this is i think that this is appropriate this is gonna
0: really you know what (laughs) for most of our listeners turn off the podcast now because you're gonna really be disappointed by the level of humor that anthony has the level of maturity
1: i worked uh when i you know when i was younger like in my teenage years all the way through college I worked for, at a Friendly's restaurant, Northeast chain, I'm not sure if how much I translate, but it's basically like- um, Like an Applebee's, know, just, yeah, Applebee's, whatever. yeah, exactly. Um, and so back in the day, yeah, you know, we had to write down what the order was on a piece of paper and then put it up for the cook to see what it was. And so <laughs> when, when everybody would order steak tips, we'd write steak tits and we would put it up and it would make us giggle. And even like 15 years later, when I hear Still steak tips, when I hear steak tips, it just makes me think of that, and it makes me cry, laughing. And so, and we had this conversation before, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna keep it together, I'm gonna keep it cool," but I can't. Just... Clearly, I put far too much stock in believing
0: that you could keep a straight face. He is crying right now.
1: I, I think we've reached the end here. I don't yeah, know well, that's. We... I I think that's a
0: great note to end on. So, uh, so thanks so much for anything. You have anything else to add?
1: I got nothing else. <laughs> that's, that's it
0: from us. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, tune back in next week.